Welcome to another episode of Obiter Dicta, Bloomsbury Professional Ireland's podcast on all things law and tax, hosted by Rachel Sherlock and Gráinne McMahon. Today we are bringing you part two of an interview with Dennis Kelleher, author of several of Bloomsbury Professional's books in the area of data protection, privacy and information technology law. Dennis shares his experience moving from the bar to in-house, where he is head of privacy EMEA with LinkedIn. We think you'll find his experience fascinating and it will be of interest to any practitioner considering a move in-house. Dennis, you're really welcome to the podcast and we're delighted to chat to you today about data protection and your many books with Bloomsbury. But first of all, I wonder if we could start uh, by chatting about your career because you were at the bar for some 11 years and then you moved in-house and now you're head of privacy at LinkedIn. And I think it would be of a lot of interest for many practitioners to kind of learn about your career path. Thanks, Gordis. Um, in terms of, yes, my career, certainly I, I, I have moved from private practice into um, in-house. Now, my route in-house was not a straightforward move, route of moving from the bar into um, LinkedIn. So I began by moving from the bar to the Office of the Attorney General. When I was at the Office of the Attorney General after about 18 months, I moved to, to Brussels to the permanent representation of Ireland to the EU which, um, in Brussels. So as the legal counsellor there. So that was basically advising Ireland's ambassador to the EU on all of the different, you know, various issues coming up at the um, European Council and various issues, issues from the European Commission. So I was there for three and a half years. When I came back from Brussels, I then moved back to the Attorney General's office and I moved back in 2009, just in the midst of the financial crisis, and in December 2009, I then moved to the um, Central Bank of Ireland, um, where I was from 2000, late 2009 to late 2017. So I was there for about eight years. Um, and I moved there from the Central Bank of Ireland to, to LinkedIn. I suppose when you say moving from the bar to LinkedIn, I mean, it was quite a, an interesting journey. And I think it was easier then going to LinkedIn because you've sort of gone this gradual transition from starting out in the bar, which is sort of very much courtroom based, as you know, and litigation, then moving the office of the Attorney General, which is really, um, in many ways, similar to a sort of barrister's chambers, except that you don't actually go to court, but there's a lot of the same culture, there's a lot of the same um, legal analysis that you see in the bar, in the Attorney General's office, then moving to Brussels, where you're really dealing with legislation in sort of its purest form, European law, where basically they make laws are made in Europe and they then apply in Ireland. So, you know, there was a gradual sort of shift away and then moving to the central bank. The central bank is really, um, certainly where I was in the central bank, in the legal department, is very is sort of in culture very similar to that of a law firm. It's very much driven by people. It's you know, many of the lawyers in there are from law firms, you know, Arthur Cox, William Fry, McCann Fitzgerald. So you do work with a lot of people who are from that background of commercial. I was working with a lot of people from that background of commercial financial services law. So it wasn't so immediate and shocking to me then when I moved to LinkedIn because you had gone on this sort of route, which took you from one um, place the bar, which is sort of really dealing with pure law. Probably the pure area where, where I dealt with the purest law would have been in the attorney to, office of the attorney general, where you do really deal with basically laws taken from first principles 
you know, through to, um, you know, the central bank and now LinkedIn, where there's very much a focus on the application of those laws and how do those laws work in practice. So it's quite a, um, in terms of understanding then what it's like for people moving from practice to an in-house role, I would say I wouldn't underestimate the challenge. The way people think about the law and the way people use language is very, very different in those different roles. In particular, I mean, the at its most simple, straightforward level, the difference between being in the bar is that you are wondering how you are going to explain a law or a set of facts to a judge. In-house, you are wondering how you are going to explain a law or how the law applies to a set of facts to a business person, to an engineer, to somebody who doesn't, who may be highly intelligent, who will be highly intelligent, who may have attained a very high level of success in their own life, but there's no particular interest in the intricacies of the Irish legal system. And that's that's true across financial services and the tech sector and any other sector where you're working in-house, that people really... Um, you know, pe- people really want practical, straightforward advice. They want to know the how and the what do they need to do next. They don't necessarily want to know, you know, the why and the, the to understand how you personally went on this journey to understand sort of how the, you know, Article 5 GDPR applies to the set of facts. They don't necessarily want to understand that. They just want to understand what do I, you know, what do I need to do now? And that is a very... That's a very challenging thing, I think, for Irish barristers in particular, about Irish lawyers, not just barristers, Irish lawyers, because one thing about Irish lawyers is they like to talk a lot. And for a lot of people in business, they find that very, very frustrating. You know, for a lot of Irish lawyers, and it's something I know that I'm guilty of myself, that you do want to explain to people, this is why we think you should do this. And actually, they don't want to know that. I mean, they just want to know, what do I do now? I have this problem. How do I fix it? Where do I go from here? If I fix it, what are the implications for my business? So it's a very, um, it's very different from, say, your approach in, say, the Office of the Attorney General, where it's very much ultimately your. So in the Office of the Attorney General, your ultimate client is the Constitution. So your concern always is, you know, does this meet the constitutional requirements under which we operate? That's a very different, you know, that, that's a very different environment to the commercial sphere. So it is something that I think people do. I mean, it is challenging to move from one area to, to the other. There's no question. Um, and I think people need to be aware of how, challenge, how great that challenge is to move from what, to make that trip from, say, practice to an in-house role. It doesn't mean you can't make, a, a, you can't make the transition. I think I've, I know a lot of people who've made that transition very, very successfully. But it is people, I think... If you're going to make that transition successfully, you have to be aware of just how much effort it's going to be. Did you find it, I know it was kind of a, a slowish but expansive, say, transition from the bar to where you are now because you've gotten the experience of the EU side of things and you've been in the office of the Attorney General. So slowly, I suppose, you came to the role that you're in now. But I suppose, aside from answering a yes or no question in terms of what is the law, what were the other biggest challenges? I mean, it isn't so much answering a yes or a no question. It's not that people need to know it in that sort of blank detail. It is really being, you see, it goes beyond that. So in the um, in the bar, the concept is really explaining the, 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 the risks that come up with different areas of law. In terms of giving a response 
on the law. It is giving a practice, you know, working through the implications of how this is going to apply to your business. It isn't that people want to know a yes or a no answer. They want to know, you know, it isn't so much, yes, you can do this, no, you can't. It is much more demonstrating to people that you've thought through the implications of a legal, of a legal issue and how are you going to, you know, what is the solution to that and how are you going to apply that in practice? That's what people want to understand, what people want from your private practice. It isn't that they want you to be a sort of an untapped version of the sort of legal advice they can get from a um, from any of the public, public sector law firms, because there are plenty of law firms that are very good at giving that sort of advice. What they want from their in-house counsel is you've sat down, you've worked in this business, you worked in this business for two, three years, you understand the business, you understand the technology, you understand the legal environment. Now, say the law has changed, and so now they're producing a new product. The business wants to understand how is that product going to work in their environment. And they want to know from you, well, what, what do we need to do now? So it is really getting into, I mean, what makes the role of the in-house role so interesting is is really getting the in, in, into the nitty gritty of how do you produce um, workable and legally compliant solutions. So they do expect more from you a lot. And I think that's where people can really struggle on the move from um, private practice, where it is very much focused, uh, whether you're a solicitor or a barrister, uh, if you're advising a commercial firm of telling them this is what the law is, this is what is going to this is what is going to apply. This is you know the law that is going to apply to you. Um, if you're working in house, it's taking that legal understanding and you know typically getting confirmation externally that yes, this is what the law you know this is what the law says. Taking that external confirmation and turning that into a solution that people can actually work with. That's the real, that is sort of the real trick to working in-house. And that is, that requires that you sort of develop new skills in terms of understanding a bit how a business runs and may require that you understand how technology operates. And it requires that you have a very sort of in-depth knowledge of what exactly the law is that, that applies to this area, um, that applies to the products that your, your company is producing. You know, it is that very niche challenge of being you are the expert on your company's products. So how do you explain to your company how that how those products work in a legally compliant way? That's the challenge for in-house counsel. And that is, certainly I would say it's, a, it, it's, it's always going to be a challenge for any lawyer going from an external role to an internal role. It's often a lot more interesting. So what a lot of people who have worked in law firms will say to me who now work in-house is the great thing about in-house is that you get to take a product, you get to take a process all the way through. So when you talk to people, you get them to advise you externally, you talk to them about what, what um, you know, you get advice on a new product, on a new legal, legal issue. Sometimes they'll say to you, you know, whatever happened to that advice, whatever happened to that product, because they don't actually follow it through to conclusion. They just get to advise on a specific legal issue. Whereas you're in-house, you're, you know, if you're, say, a product lawyer in-house, you are working on that product from beginning to end. And you are actually going to see how it applies in practice and how it works in the real world. So in many ways, it's much more, it's, it's a much more um, interesting way of work in some ways in terms of it's very practical. But it's practical in a different way to say the litigation focused are, um, are the world of the commercial law firm. Whereas I said, you're dealing more with niche issues and niche um, legal queries. Do you like 
the fact that because sometimes you hear in-house counsel saying that they like being part of a an overall team that they're working for a specific project and they're coming up with solutions for the business so they're not just looking at the law end of things but they're they're looking at, at, at the overall part of the aim which seems to be quite an enjoyable process by all accounts yeah yes that that is that is the distinctive thing to feature of working in house is you're working on a product from beginning to end so you're not um it isn't that you're not doing high quality legal work but it's that you are working you know on these products on these systems and it is i think the thing that people find much very enjoyable about the role um you know you're working in a team environment i mean and you're, you know, you're producing solutions that work for the team. I think it's, you know, ultimately as a lawyer, you are ultimately a lawyer. So, you know, they do expect you to give legal advice. And it's important that people understand that, you know, what you're, you know, that there's a clear, there's a clarity about what your role is. But I think, I mean, yeah, from what I've done myself and from talking to colleagues in the in-house sector, I mean, you know, people are very much enjoy that. Um you know, that they, they, they find it a more fulfilling role, I suppose, rather, you know, as opposed to, you know, the in-practice role is different in the sense that you're, you know, that you're dealing with one issue this week, you deal with a completely, maybe dealing with a completely different issue ne- next week. And it makes for a, a very different experience. Did you always know, Dennis, that you wanted to work in-house? Um, no, I mean, it was very much a journey in terms of going from the Attorney General's office. I suppose I was in, always interested in doing interesting work. So that's why I would have gone to the Attorney General's office, then to Brussels, then to the Central Bank and to LinkedIn. I do enjoy the challenges of doing different work and interesting work in different areas. So I def- that's, I suppose, what motivates me. That's what I enjoy doing. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, in terms of, but in terms of in-house, no, it wouldn't have been a sort of overarching plan. I think for people thinking of going in-house, I think it's a good idea to get experience in litigation and in, um, you know, in the in sort of in practice, not necessarily in, in litigation. Litigation is, you know, great when you're doing it. But in terms of litigation or, do, or being in-house, I think it can be very, very useful. Certainly the ability, the thing that you learn in practice the, is the ability to turn your mind to any new problem. That can be very, very useful in terms of applying that internally. So um, within an in-house environment, you know, people want to leave practice and move to an in-house role. I think there are certainly a lot of opportunities, as you probably know, coming up now in Dublin. So, I mean, I think it's, um, you know, it's certainly something people can do. And I know you've uh, kind of touched on this already in terms of talking about your career, but you, in the move from the public sector to the private tech sector, what were the most notable differences between those? Not as many as you would think. I mean, people do have this cliche about people who work in the public sector. I have to say that people who have worked for the public sector are generally being very, very high quality, very hardworking, very dedicated public servants. There are a lot of people in the, in the not lawyers in the public sector that I would, um, the, you know, that I would reach out to to discuss, you know, legal issues. I would certainly miss not being able to reach out to some people and discuss certain legal issues with them because they do have such an in-depth understanding of the law. Key difference between public sector and private sector is the fact that really they, for, for the public sector, in many cases, certainly in the Office of the Attorney General, you're really making the law. 
And I know that there are people who would say that probably the Attorney General's office has too much role in terms of making the law, certainly draftsmen and their ability to draft legislation are very influential in terms of what the laws are. That is a key difference. Um, in the private sector, you're very much a recipient of what the law says. One of the most striking features for me was, you know, in terms of the difference really summed it up for me is on a piece of legislation, the Copyright Act, um, somebody was challenging uh, a legal provision under uh, one of the Copyright Acts. The man's dead now, but he was highly litigious, litigious at the time. And there was a concern that the interpretation he was taking of a particular piece of the law would um, cause some embarrassment to the straight. So I did a legal, I spent about a week drafting a legal opinion um, explaining why this individual's interpretation of the law was incorrect. And I brought it to my assistant secretary, who's sort of the manager of the legal unit in the Attorney General's office that I was at the time. And I said, look, I've looked at this man's legal submission. I'm satisfied that it's wrong. And the response of my assistant secretary was, yeah, but you might, you know, he might be right. And we, you know, rather than take that risk, we're simply going to change the legislation. So, I mean, it's a very, you know, for all people, I mean, particularly, you know, that you have this get out of jail card of, yes, you can just change the legislation. I mean, obviously, it's a political process, but I mean, you can sort of recommend say, look, we need to change the legislation, you know, working on projects like the um, central credit credit register where you can establish something with a sort of lawful basis that's based in legislation. It's quite a different environment to the public sector. The public sector is quite a different environment to the um, private sector because you don't have that freedom to determine your operating environment in the way that you do in the, the public sector. Whereas I said, I mean, the state can decide, well, look, this is something we want to do. So in the case of the central credit register, which is a very interesting project I worked on in the central bank, that was a um, that was a, a priority of the uh, IMF Troika. So they had identified as the building of the central credit register as one of their priorities. So the state then decided that they were, well, they had no choice but to build the central credit register. So once they decided to do that, everything else then really flowed from that. And in terms of building out a legal structure, it was very straightforward in terms of providing a lawful basis, providing sort of the operating principles that the, the central credit register was working under. It was straightforward process, relatively straightforward process of essentially turning your instructions, turning the design of the central credit register into the credit reporting act. So that's a very different environment to trying to develop products in the private sector where, um, you know, you don't have that power basically that the state has. So, I mean, I think obviously it varies from department to department. If you're working for the Office of the Attorney General or you're working for the um, central bank, they do have the power, very much the power to determine their operating environment in that way. Um, I don't think that other, um, obviously if you work for something in a local, local authority, they won't have the same legislative making power. So in that sense, you know, I, I suppose my experience of working for the state is might be different to that of other people, I suppose. And you mentioned there working for the, the central bank. You also, in the course of your career, moved from finance to tech. So is there any kind of big differences between those two industries? Yeah, simply the, the maturity of the in terms of the compliance structure in the uh, finance sector is very different. I used to be very active. I still, I mean, I still go to the conference that, um, in one of the organizations, the tech sector, the International Association of Privacy Professionals. So I was on several of their committees 
Um, and I used to write quite a bit for their um, some of their newsletters. And I remember I would go to events in Brussels and I would say to people, I know there are events in Dublin, I'd say to people, you know, we should really enjoy this because, you know, everyone was very friendly, everyone was very relaxed. This was sort of pre-GDPR coming into application. And having seen what happens at sort of compliance events in, um, in our finance sector, where people are much more conscious of the um, regulatory environment, having seen that, it was striking to see, you know, that... Um, how less um, aware people were a few years ago. So I think it's changed substantially. Certainly when I left the finance sector for the tech sector in 2017, <clears throat> it was before the application of GDPR. We hadn't seen the DPC engage in significant enforcement activity at that stage. I think people were sort of much more relaxed when they would go to sort of industry events. So it was striking to me at that stage, if you were addressing an event of sort of privacy professionals versus compliance professionals from the finance sector, there was a very different sort of atmosphere in the room. I think you're seeing the tech sector move much more towards that sort of environment where people are very conscious, you know, that compliance is a real requirement and that, you know, that there are consequences to sort of getting things wrong. I think that's the big change is that the tech sector is becoming much more mature now and it's become more mature. It's moving closer to what you see in the financial services sector, which is people, you know, really recognising the sort of the consequences of supervision. It's, a, you know, that as the level of supervision in, in, um, increases and the level of enforcement increases, that then is having a direct impact on the people working in those sectors because obviously their roles then are seen as more consequential and the outputs of those supervisors are always also seen as being more consequential than they were. And so then I guess what follows on from that is, are there any tips or advice that you would give anyone moving into this sector now? I think I think the, the key tip I would say to people is to recognise what a significant change of culture it is, moving from any, from a litigation practice-focused world to an in-house role. It is a very different environment. You're still going to be a lawyer. You're still going to be giving legal advice, but you'll be giving that legal advice in a very, very different context. For example, your client will expect you to, if you're in-house, one of the expectations is that you will have a very strong understanding of the products that you're dealing with. So if you're externally, if you're working as a barrister or if you're working in-house in a law firm, if somebody comes to you with a legal question, you can very much pepper them with questions about like, this is how does this product work? What is going on? Whereas if you're in-house, people will expect that you develop that knowledge yourself and that you understand it. I mean, that's why, you know, that you understand the product, you understand what is going on and you understand sort of the, um, the needs of the, of the customers the needs of the business, how do you reconcile those different sort of needs with the requirements of the law? So, I mean, there are, um, so it is a different environment. And I think it's very important when you're moving in-house that you're conscious of how different environment it is. As I said, it doesn't mean you're not going to be advising on the law anymore. You are, you're just going to be, um, you know, that there are questions that people won't expect you to ask anymore. So they won't expect you to look for a detailed set of instructions the same way. And there is also explanations that you they won't expect you to give. So they will, um, in-house, certainly they will expect you to do a lot of the due diligence yourself. So their view will be that if you're in-house, that you simply, you know, that it's your job to review the law, it's your job to apply the law. It's not necessarily your, your, your job to explain the law to, your, um, to the business. The business assume that you've done that. 
they employ you because they because you're an expert lawyer. So they will expect you to come to them with the solution to the to to the issue that their that their business has. You know, as I said, a legally compliant solution that works for you know the the different stakeholders. But they will expect that they will find it frustrating if you come to them with advice that begins with sort of a um, short analysis. I'm not talking about sort of ten pages of legal analysis, just even a short paragraph. You know, short analysis. This is what the law is that applies to this situation, which is typical. If you get legal advice from a law firm, typically what you will get is sort of six, seven pages of legal analysis and then a sort of um, explaining the law and then a discussion of the different options. If you're employed in-house, they will expect that you will get that advice yourself and that you will read it and that you will, you will summarize that basically into a plan of action of um, saying, this is the problem we have. You know, on the basis of the legal advice we've we have received, this is the solution that I propose. So it's a different process. They're not looking you for you to be sort of a um, on-call version of the external legal advisor. I mean, you can do that work, and there is a role for people who do that work, but that role will be sort of you know, if you were to sort of not adapt to the in-house environment, you could still find a role because there would be. People with those more practical focus skills might miss skills might want somebody in-house to assist them in terms of interpreting the legal advice they're getting externally. But in terms of succeeding in an in-house role, it is really that ability to turn external legal advice into something practical that works for the business. As I said, they don't need to understand the, you know, the you know, the, the interaction with the GDPR and the Irish Constitution or the European Convention of Human Rights or something like that. They just want to know, you know, they pay you to review the law and to propose a solution that's going to meet those needs. It's not that people aren't interested in that. And you may well deal with people who are very interested in those sorts of legal issues. They will compartmentalize that and they will say, well, in terms of the actual business issue that I now need to decide, What's the solution that works? What is the thing that I can articulate to my fellow executives? How do I explain to them what we need to do next? And that is the real, I mean, the, 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 the real challenge is communicating. And again, adapting your communication style to the communication style of the place that you're working. So, I mean, I at one stage had a very interesting conversation with someone about the different, you know, even with, within, say, you'd say that sort of the bar in-house roles in the Irish public sector, like the Central Bank, Department of Foreign Affairs, and the Office of the Attorney General, they are all areas with quite different communication styles. But then if you go out, you would say that, well, they're all going to be quite different to, say, Silicon Valley firms. But Silicon Valley firms themselves will have very, very different styles, depending on which firm you are in. So, you know, there is no one sort of one size fits all. The key requirement is to be adaptable and to be able to, to adapt your style to the um, to the needs of the business. It's, it's not that um, there's a requirement that you compromise your sort of legal principles or you compromise your advice. It's simply that you produce your advice in a way that works for the business that's employing you. It's, a, it's an ongoing challenge. It's something you need to be constantly adapting to all the time. It's something that I suppose, it's something that I'm still working on. I think any, I think if you stop working on that, you're, you know, you're going to go backwards very quickly because it is, it is such a different environment. I think for Irish lawyers in particular, Irish lawyers who like love to talk. I mean, Irish lawyers love talking, they like talking about the law. 
a lot of Irish lawyers, when you talk to them, will immediately say, well, look, this is a really interesting problem, blah, 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 case such and such, case such and such. So there's a huge, you know, that people really like to talk about that. In a business, that doesn't really work in a business environment. People may be very un, un, maybe very happy and very open to discussing those sorts of issues separately outside the room. They, you may to deal with people who are very interested in, um, in sort of those sorts of legal issues. Um, but they don't want to discuss them in a legal context, even if they're, you know, if they're very conscious of how the law impacts on their their business environment. They want, you know, they they want the practical, focused advice, and they want to know they they employ you because they assume that you understand. Not they assume they know that you understand the law. They want you to sort of do the work of analysing the law and explaining how it, it applies to their business. Dennis, you're Head of Privacy at LinkedIn, and I'd love to talk to you a little bit about that role and what it involves and how much you enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, it's a very enjoyable role. I mean, as I say, the challenge is very, um, it's a very fast-paced, very different um, in that sense. Uh, When you work in the tech sector, I mean, you know, to mean, you know, issues tend to get addressed, you know, on a quarterly basis. So, I mean, it moves forward much, much more quickly than certainly, say, the public sector. Um, it's certainly true. So, I mean, it's very fast, but it's a very enjoyable role. There's a lot of change. There's a lot of exposure to new issues coming down the tracks. You know, we're seeing a lot of, you know, at a European level, you're seeing a lot of new legislation being proposed. Um, so there's a significant amount of um, change and updating going on, and it's constant. There is a constant pace of change in the, um, in the tech sector in general. So, I mean, in that sense, I mean, it's a very dynamic environment. But it is, yes, it's a very interesting, it's an interesting environment in which to work. That's it for another episode of Obiter Dicta. Thanks to Dennis Kelleher for joining us on the podcast. And you can find out more about his books on bloomsburyprofessional.com. Bye for now.